across the sea of character sheets, deep in the forest of D20s lies the mountain of sourcebooks. Welcome to the Mountain of Sourcebooks. We hope you enjoyed your climb. My name is Jeffrey Vincent Dale, and I want to welcome you all back to our show. We will be getting back to our actual play of Henshin in a few minutes, but first we need to give you all a few updates. First of all, it's become evident over the last few months that our schedules right now are just too packed to be able to keep up with the demands of making a weekly podcast. We had planned to have Teach learn how to edit so she could assist, but that has just not been feasible because of scheduling issues. And as much as I enjoy making the podcast, trying to keep up with that schedule has just become very stressful and I really don't want to burn myself out. In order to avoid burnout, we've decided to switch to a twice-monthly release schedule starting in February. Assuming all goes well, that should mean a new episode next week, followed by another on February 21st, and then no new episode until March 7th. We don't know if this will be a permanent change or if our schedules will one day open up to allow for more production time, but if anything changes, we will let you know. Next note. If you are familiar with the letters OGL at all in regards to tabletop RPGs, you are probably pretty sick of hearing about it. Now, I'm not going to go in-depth about the situation here, though I will include a link in the show notes with more info. But to keep a long story short, Wizards of the Coast, the company that makes Dungeons & Dragons, tried something really scummy around the beginning of the year that led many to boycott the brand in protest. And we decided that our podcast would join that boycott. Because of that, we had to shift our production schedule around to remove anything Dungeons & Dragons that was planned. And so we decided instead of playing the D&D adventure Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, we would play a Star Wars adventure and possibly revisit D&D if Wizards stopped being greedy. Of course, as soon as we had set all those plans in motion and started planning for Star Wars, the public outcry over the new OGL had grown to the point where Wizards could no longer ignore it and declare that they would stop doing what they were doing. Yay for boycotts! Since the boycott worked, we are no longer planning to avoid D&D content, and so you can look forward to our review of the D&D movie from the year 2000 in a few weeks once we are done with Henshin. Speaking of Henshin, last episode I mentioned that this episode would be the final part of our actual play. It turns out that that will not be the case. My usual rule of thumb is that whatever amount of audio I have before editing will end up being cut down to about half. So for example, one hour of unedited audio makes half an hour of edited audio. Things didn't turn out that way this time, and so we'll have a fourth part after this. That brings an end to our announcements for now, so on to the content you're all here for. Previously on our actual play, the team heard from their friend Tom that he had discovered a lost film created by the late horror legend Milo Silas Cobb. They arrived at the theater to watch the film with him, but found that some of the hostess of the dark's gargoyle minions were poking around the property. They defeated the gargoyles and decided to keep an eye out for any trouble as they went in to meet with Tom. He started up the film called The Curse of the Fighting Phantom, and the team became worried when Tom did not come back from the projector booth within a few minutes. June went up to the booth and saw that Tom had been knocked out by the villain named Viewfinder, and that the villain was trying to steal the movie. Benji and Zayden saw the fight between them and went to help, driving Viewfinder away. After determining that Tom was okay, they decided to take the film with them and ask their mentor the Phantom about it. And now, on with their story. We were going to go to the AV room and see if we can meet the Phantom, which I'm literally going to run into there and dramatically shout, Phantom! And it's just like an empty room. He always comes when I do that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you get to the AV room in the old theater, 
and uh, the way that you talk to him is by turning on the TV. Oh, that's right. And then he right. walks on the TV. So you just yell at it, and then I go over and then on the TV. Specifically, I'm like, all right, well, where did I put the remote? Where did I put the remote? And then somebody just pushes the button. <laughs> it's just like an old one where it's a dial that you have to turn. Yeah, that's probably true, yeah. Okay, so you two you two are looking for the remote, and I just walk over, <laughs> and I turn the dial while, like, looking directly at you. Like, seriously? I forget that that's how that works. So the TV blinks to life, and then the phantom is just on the screen, and he walks out. It's a terrible effect. Phantom. Tom. You've heard about Tom. He found this movie. It's this one right here. Right here. Seems to be filmed in this high school. Something of the fighting phantoms. Yeah, you're old. Have you seen this? <laughs> <laughs> you know anything about this? Oh, yes. I was here when they filmed this. I was a student here at the time. Oh, wow. That was before you, you know, became a phantom. I never actually got to see the finished film. Yeah, no one did. Yeah, we were surprised it seems actually finished. Interesting. You didn't die during this movie, right? That's why it was never shown to the public? Well, the fire happened, I think, after he finished filming. Immediately after? <laughs> like, they filmed it, then you died, and they're like, mm, all those kids' deaths. That would be a good reason not to release it. Y yeah, it makes sense. But no, I think they had already finished filming it by the time the fire happened, so I don't think so. Interesting. Okay, but yeah, so anyways, we were trying to watch it, then Viewfinder came. Yeah. And tried to take it. So we're trying to figure out why. Well, like, what would he want with this? Hmm. I remember it being a horror film. Perhaps they're trying to get to the monster within it? Monster within it? What's, what's so special about this monster? They, they have to have plenty of them already. They might be running low. You've defeated a few of them now. We don't know how many VHS tapes they took from the store. Mm. We never got a final count. Tom is terrible at inventory. <laughs> also, it's not a um, thing that Benji knows about, but Tom absolutely steals from the store. <laughs> I don't know if he steals as much as he's like, oh, I'm going to bear this and bring this back, and forgets to bring it back. I think that is way more like Tom's character. Oh, perhaps there's another possibility. VHS tapes are like, they're copies of movies. Maybe they think that if they can get the original reels, the monster will be more powerful? Ooh, that's no good. I hope not. Well, we gotta protect this, but they could attack at any time. So what if we call them out and then get them? Interesting idea. Perhaps a decoy? Um, what if we destroy it? But it's priceless. Exactly. <laughs> It's an unreleased horror film from a classic horror director. So, because nostalgia, we're not going to destroy this to save the town? Well, historic value. Historic value, it's like just movies. They And then inspirational music starts playing. They bring people together. I love how we both ended up on the exact same page. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of a shock that, yeah, a character who's like loves the old stuff this is the one, like, we could just destroy it. Well, I'm thinking practically, but now I'm about to explore themes of empathy and cynicism. Yeah, cynicism, like cynicism specifically. Yeah. Opposing to my character who is 100% emotion. <laughs> 
Oh man, you know, you guys are right. This movie could bring our entire community together. We could unite the entire school behind this movie and volunteer for so many charities. We could absolutely have a fundraiser. Yes. We need to find a projector, but we gotta do this later. <laughs> we have to protect this movie for the integrity of the town. So I feel like the idea of a decoy was a good idea, but it absolutely has to be a thing that wasn't actually mentioned by us. You see us, like, my character taking a film to yeah. a dumpster, and I'm like, well, that movie wasn't that good. <laughs> it's like the fake one. Yes. That plot was cliche. Dump. All right, so you're throwing the canister in the garbage, and you don't see it, but there's a gargoyle on a rooftop looking down, and he spots you. So he, he runs off to go tell his masters. So you're laying in wait, I assume? Absolutely. You know, like, this is very proactive for a team. Usually... Most rangers are reactive in everything. Especially the early teams. <laughs> We're defying expectations when stereotypes. <laughs> I'm very proud of you all. Point out, I'm like, yeah, all these rangers on the left them, yeah, they're all just oh, reactive. That's right, you, as a I character, have, <laughs> have a whole bunch of understandings of old ranger teams. Yes, old and old for me, but in your guys' future, yeah. Which, I guess at the beginning of this show... We absolutely knew of other Super Rangers teams. All right. So after a couple of minutes of waiting, the cheap teleport effect happens. Three gargoyles and viewfinder all teleport down next to the dumpster and they start walking it towards it. OK, so I feel like this is one of those moments where morph call. Oh, I was going to say, I think we have something on the dumpster when they reach in to grab it. The top falls. Yes, the top falls and we are already transformed because I feel like that has to have happened. Okay. He reaches in, or one of the gargoyles reaches in and the dumpster lid just slams down on his hand. He's like, ah! All right. And then somebody is standing on top of it already transformed. Whoever is the first in the morphing call, I can't remember who, what order we decided to go in. Uh, I think we were in reverse order, so gold would be first, I think. Yeah, gold, pink, red. So am I just there or do I say like three? Yeah, we were doing a three, two, one because I wanted a terrible, stupid count joke. All right, so you land on top of the lid and it closes on his hand, and you call out three. Yes. All right, and then where does uh, June come in from? I do an obnoxiously large amount of unnecessary flipping into the scene. Okay, you flip over, and it does like three different camera angles, despite the fact that you can't do that. <laughs> Yes. Ha! Two! And I just descend down. <laughs> <laughs> and then just do like a double strike with my um, two daggers. One! Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when I am transformed, I immediately go to the stupid vampire voice. <laughs> Everyone did a heavy turn, by the way. Yeah, every, even though it happened off screen, you did transform, so I'm counting that as a heavy turn. Okay. And then I do the scanning hand across the horizon in the classic Red Ranger pose, bringing spooks and scares to the silver screen. Super Rangers! Monster Freak! Can we say that all at once? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Viewfinder pulls his hand out, and he's, like, massaging it because it hurts. Ah, I should have known that this was going to be a trap. Gargoyles, deal with them. And so one each charges at you. 
to keep you distracted. And then we all go, yeah, all at once. I'm going to face down danger without hesitation, which is a heavy turn, believe it or not. Okay. So how are you going to do that specifically? Actually, no, I'm just going to use my weapon to drive off an opponent because that is also a heavy turn and I've already was using my weapons. Okay. So I just do a impressive putty fight with swords. So it's like that multiple different strikes. So we'll say he's already down because, I mean, you're morphed. So. I was going to say, yeah, these seem easy. I'm going to model the utmost fitness and expertise, which is just a regular turn, I guess. So I'm like punching it and I'm like, okay, this is this is how you attack. This is the best way. You see right here? This is the weak point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it educationally. I'm like, yeah, as so you can see right here where these cracks are, this is the part the gargoyles when they're made. <laughs> Structurally, this part is the thinnest. My character is not paying attention to what he is saying. I'm doing that spinny thing where it grabs your wrist and then you spin out and it grabs your other wrist, spin out, and I just keep doing that. And then eventually I punch it in the face and I kick it into a wall and it explodes. And of course, yeah! Viewfinder's just like looking at all of you. Should have brought more than three. And as he says that, another teleport happens. This time it's six gargoyles and the hostess of the dark. Really, Viewfinder, this is getting ridiculous. Get the movie, we'll deal with them. I have to specifically talk smack to somebody more powerful than me. Uh, let's see. Hostess, it's rare for you to get your hands dirty. I'm really bad at this. <laughs> like, We're all really bad at this. Hell yeah, no, I'm bad. I'm, sad. I'm bad at smack talk because I'm too much of a marshmallow. <laughs> We would take you out to the trash. That's a very good one. Your hand's dirty. Well, best keep it out of the trash. <laughs> Which is where I'm going to be taking you. There we go. That's, there we go. It, it took me a second to get there. I look disappointed in you. <laughs> I on all the time. <laughs> Remind someone that they aren't good enough yet. You really need to be working at his speeches. It is our uh, dynamic. You are yeah. absolutely constantly looking down on me, and I'm constantly trying to be like, but buddy. Gotta make him as snappy. Guys, there's too many of them. Let's summon our weapons. Look down. It's already done that. <laughs> Wait, we get our weapons once we... I thought you had to summon your weapons. You do the morph thing, and then you have to summon your weapons? The only time it's very specific is if we are all suited up and have our weapons out, we can then combine them. That's the only. Oh, that. Oh, role. that's what that is. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which that's right. absolutely not a thing that we do right now. No. We can also summon a, a max. No, we absolutely. It has to be when somebody grows big. There's. We can't do it. Before yeah, that. we can't. We can't be the one to escalate it. So, I have my flaming bandage whips, and I throw them at, I guess, the Hostess of the Dark. All right. She becomes wrapped up. Uh, are you using the fire part as well, or just holding her? Uh, I didn't realize I could turn the fire part off. Yeah, I'm using the fire part. <laughs> All right. So fire hits her, a whole bunch of sparks, but then the smoke clears and she's like ripped them free. And she is absolutely at this point of the show a 
random Japanese lady, despite the fact that the actress normally is not. Yes, they didn't do a careful enough job curating the footage. So you see the original Japanese actress instead of the American one. <laughs> oh no! She ripped right through my bandages! It's a good thing that those things grow back. Okay, so it, it then goes back to my turn. So I do the camera pan around, slowly walk to the side. All right, I am going to uh, do a... For record, Smack Talk was a plus one on that one, but I'm also going to do yet another plus one and let my temper cloud my judgment. Okay. And just charge immediately. And it's one of those sequences where I do not get a single hit off of her. And then she just very quickly, which I can't really think about what her fighting style would be because I'm only picturing Elvira right now and I don't know how Elvira would fight. She would absolutely kick my ass, but that's beside the point. Because, yeah, I'm just not effective in this instance. I'm picturing her with like a cane with like a stylized skull on top of it that she uses as kind of like a one-handed club. Yeah, and she completely sidesteps everything and then strikes me in the back. Lots of sparks again. Yes. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Blair! I'm sorry. Blair! There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then back up to Steve. I am going to use a regular action of trying to be a one-person army. So I'm actually, instead of going after Hostess of the Dark, I am going to go after the six gargoyles. So you, you are just going ham on everyone. <laughs> yes. 1v6. <laughs> 1v6, like they're circling around me, and I'm just doing the punch bird, elbow back. One comes after me, and I like jump over it and push them into the other guy so they attack each other. Yes. So, yeah. All right, so you're holding your own, but you don't defeat any of them this turn. Okay. So while you're doing that, Viewfinder opens up the trash can and pulls out the canister, and he yells out, I got it! And then he teleports away. Viewfinder! No. He, t he teleports out, but the hostess is still here. Yes, so she's like, well, I gotta get ready for the show. I'll just leave these guys here to deal with you. And she teleports off too. So you still got the six gargoyles there. Then it's my turn. Okay, let's see here. I do... Is it three unnecessary jump kicks? Is it three unnecessary jump kicks, or is it the same kick three times? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't actually hit anything with these jump kicks. I just go, like I'm preparing for them to come at me, and then they come at me, and then I start over-exaggeratingly punching them, uppercut, and backflip, and just obnoxious fighting. So two are attacking me right now as I flail. Okay. How many are there total? We'll say that there's five left now. We'll say that last attack took one of them out. This is absolutely a sudden back-to-back -back where we are all fighting in a group now at this point because we've all started attacking the same enemies. All right, so you're all back-to-back, -back, and then what do you do? Use weapon to drive off an opponent, so I at least take one down. I don't know how quickly that is because I definitely used a token for that. <laughs> Okay. Oh, that's right. That's one of your moves. Yep. Use your weapon to drive off an opponent. Which actually, I think, probably means you get a opponent to back down. Okay. We'll say that you defeat two more and then the rest teleport away. Because drive off an opponent, that sounds like you, like, scared them off to me. Okay. Well, they took the decoy. Now we need to follow them. Which I don't know how we actually do out of character. 
Oh, that's right. I totally forgot that was a decoy. Yeah, that was fake. <laughs> you put a cracker on that. That is absolutely a thing that happened. <laughs> so you, you said you put a tracker on it? We absolutely put a tracker on that because that is exactly what is supposed to happen. That's clearly the plan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I am going to take a quick break. Okay. Well, I'll take a break. So are we all back? Yep. Yes. All right. So I'm supposed to do my narrator duties and check in with everyone. Is everyone still okay with their tasks? Do you feel like this a task that fits the story that we're telling so far? You want to change it up? Honestly, I feel like I've been far more planning than reckless. Coders have to a higher standard. I feel like I'm trying to like make everyone else a higher standard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say. I could definitely see it being express wonder, even if it borders on naivete, because that is absolutely what I'm doing with this film. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, if you want to change it, go ahead and change it. Yeah, I think I will do that. I'm pretty sure I'm doing defy expectations when stereotyped and explore themes of empathy and cynicism just fine. I feel like I'm doing those equally. Yeah, definitely yeah. did. The uh, cynicism one, the, you did a really good moment with that, considering yeah. the way the character has been, as we have established, portrayed at throughout the show, even though we haven't actually had those sessions. Yes. <laughs> All right, so I'll change mine to that, I guess. I'm trying to think if I should change mine to another one. Because it's display the shining pinnacle of my abilities for all to see. I guess I'm doing that. And merge to the beat of my You own are drum. definitely showing off while also being like, come on, guys. I might just keep it because I am keeping myself to these high stats. Like, I keep talking about how we need to be doing this. We need to be yeah. doing this. Okay. I think it's more like I'm holding the team to a higher standard than others. But I'll try and keep it more focused on myself. Okay. All right. So back to gameplay. So the, the tracker does lead you to the crumbling castle at the edge of town. Who would have guessed? So what is your approach? How are you going to uh, go about getting in and dealing with the situation? Hmm. We know where they are, which is a unique thing that doesn't happen in a lot of series where it's like we actually show up at their base, I guess. Yeah, that is very different. Let's see. Yeah, we're not even in a snow globe or anything. It's <laughs> such a thing that would actually happen. Hot in a snow globe and that's how we find their base. I think that did actually happen twice in Mighty Morphin. What do we do besides just rush in heedlessly? Because that's exactly what I would do. But like, how is this a plan? We're depending on you, so... Oh, that's very true. I, I shouldn't if you're depending on me. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should case out, like, walk around, make a little map of everything we could see. Okay, so we actually do end up this setting the scene. There's, like, one of the gargoyles that's walking around, looking through one of the corridors of the enemy's bases, which is absolutely a film set in a giant castle that also looks like a studio a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just, like, one of the gargoyles looking around, like, doing the patrol thing. And then we just kind of, like step out of the shadows, which I am absolutely doing the vampire cape thing over my face. <laughs> <laughs> and also there's unnecessary fog on the ground. Yes. yes. Oh, the fog. <laughs> okay, so thought. What if we enter in and we get caught in this 
obnoxious, doesn't seem physically possible electric field. Our legs are stuck and we're flailing around and it's overpowering. Yes. Losing strength. (laughs) We're being overpowered. We're losing strength. Yes, I do actually like that we just immediately bumble into a tramp. Yes. My character doesn't like it. And that's going to be all this week. Please join us again next week for the actual final part of our Henshin playthrough. Our podcast can be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and our Mountain of Sourcebooks YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at mountain underscore of underscore source underscore books and to follow our Facebook page, MOSB dash Mountain of Sourcebooks, where you can get updates on everything that's happening with us. And on all of those services, if you could follow, like, and subscribe, that would help us a ton as it raises our visibility and makes it easier for people on those various platforms to find us. And if you're feeling particularly generous, consider donating to our Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash MOSB underscore 2022. And with all that said, thank you for listening. Careful on your way back down the mountain. Bye.